The views and opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of this station, JVC Broadcasting Management, or its sponsors. And now, it's time for Radio Jobline with your host, Scott Possessor, right here on 103.9 LI News Radio. must be Saturday afternoon from 2 to 3 p.m., or it might be Wednesday night from 9 to 10 p.m., or on twice a week, to talk about your career, talk about jobs, talk about the talent pools, the job markets, the economy. Uh, we really covered a lot of economic stuff this year, and boy, do we have great news. Uh, there was a, a press conference on Wednesday that everybody, I'm sure, knows about by now. The stock market went nuts, and uh, my guest and I are going to talk about that, but we're also going to talk about some fabulous Resume tips. Uh, My guest today, Doug Wald, is a true expert, and we're going to talk about resume. Long overdue. We haven't talked about it on a radio job line for a while. Uh, We're also going to debate the open to work sign on LinkedIn and talk about whether or not that's a good idea and is it working. But the most fun we're going to have is in the next couple of minutes. I'd like to bring back to the show a name that you all remember if you're a regular listener. His name is Kenny Connolly. Kenny was an intern for Radio Jobline for an entire year. The only intern I ever had that lasted that that long. Kenny came down from Westchester every week with no air conditioning in the summers, um, sweating. I can't even imagine what that trip was like. Um, And he stayed with me for a whole year. He's a great friend. We're still texting each other all the time. Kenny Connolly, welcome back to Radio Jobline. Gosh, did I miss the Mickey Mantle of radio, Scott Sessa. How are you, <laughs> Thanks, thanks, buddy. Yeah, that we had a guest call me that once. That, it, it was really cool. Uh, <laughs> anyway, anyway, uh, Kenny, the reason that we have you on the show is strategic because you have actually practiced many of the things you've learned here on Radio Jobline and, fo- and really moved your career forward. So why don't you tell us quickly what happened when you left radio job line and and then what happened to make this next move you're now at cbs uh well i'll let you tell it yes sir so after radio job line uh, essentially i was also i then got an internship with another radio station in rockland county and through that my boss there uh knew someone at wabc in new york city right and i was able to through the power of networking which is something that we stress or we stressed a lot when I was on with you, and I'm sure you still do stress it, the power of networking, that is. And through that, I was able to get a couple interviews. I did very well on them. I was able to get the job as a producer and a board operator with WABC. Flash forward, when I was a year and a half down the line at WABC, I was looking for jobs more in the sports field, media. Yeah, now back up just a little bit, because you had been doing sports in college. Yes, so I was doing sports radio. I had a sports radio show in college, and you also had a little sports, and you also had a little sports segment on ABC. Yes, I was I was a sports anchor on ABC as well, doing the evening sports updates. Okay, so that was great, and that was another resume builder for sure. And without that invaluable experience, I would not have been able to get to CBS Sports HQ, which is the digital streaming service of CBS Sports. The way that I got that job is. As I said, when I was looking for something more in sports, I reached out to a senior-level producer at CBS on LinkedIn. This is the Scott Possessor method, everybody. This is crucial. Right. You reach out 
to employees that work at the job that you want to acquire, the company that you want to work for, and you ask them for five minutes of their time on the phone just to get to know the company, get to know more about the role of what you'd be doing if, in fact, you got the job, and then, in turn, try to see if they would walk your resume into the hiring manager. And I got a phone call with the senior-level producer there. It went very well. We talked for about 15 minutes, and then... A couple months down the line, when I had just got the job at ABC, another producer at CBS reached out and said that he heard that I spoke to so-and-so, they recommended me, and they wanted to interview me at the time for a production's assistant position. Now, I had just gotten the job with ABC, so I respectfully turned it down, even though I probably should have went on the interview, Right. but it helped me out regardless because I kept that same connection, did a year and a half at WABC. And then when I was t- when it was time for me to look for a job more in sports, I reached back out to that same connection. He respected the fact that I remembered who he was and that I took the initiative to reach back out. And long story short, he offered me the position after a couple of phone interviews. So exactly what, now, are, you, what are you doing now? So now I'm a digital line producer for CBS Sports HQ. Essentially what that role is, is ensuring that the content that that CBS produces gets out onto their stream in a timely manner and properly, you know, not no jump cuts on the, in the shots of each uh, segment that they have. And essentially like when they go up live, I take them up live on the stream. I go to the break. I come back from the break, things of that nature. And I coordinate with the producers about what content needs to run overnight on the stream. All right. Well, Kenny, thank you for all of that. And I hope the uh, the listeners are in, are inspired to reach out to people on LinkedIn. Doug and I will pick that up, too, uh, when you get off the line, Kenny. Uh, and the next thing I want to hear from you is that your back is broadcasting in sports. So that's yeah. the next step. You just got to make the right connections there at CBS. It's a big place. And I know you will. And uh, next next Christmas, you're going to come back on Radio Dropland and tell us what you're doing. Yes, sir. 100%. And uh, that is the goal to be on the air someday. But couldn't have gotten the, the experience that I got without you, Scott. Well, I really appreciate that, Kenny. And uh, we should we should tell everybody we're still friends. We, we text each other all the time. So it's it's been a great ride. And we wish you the very best of luck this year with CBS and, and best of luck with family, friends, everything you got going. And uh, thanks for coming on, buddy. Thank you so much, Scott. Likewise, you have a wonderful show. All right. Talk to you later. All right. All right. Bye-bye. Okay. So joining me is Douglas Walt. Hello, Scott. Now, Doug is not just anybody. Doug is, <laughs> Doug is one of the most charismatic, one of the f- most funny people I know uh, that I've ever really met. Checks and, in the mail. And I, and I have such, <laughs> I have such respect for this guy. He, let me tell you, he's got a bio here, but it's worth reading, folks, because it's it's interesting stuff. He's right now the vice president of recruiting with Executive Alliance and National Executive Search Firm in Comac, New York. He advises clients and talent in the areas of marketing, IT project management, product product management, professional services, customer support, corporate operations, sales, and finance. He's a lifelong resident of Riverhead, New York. Doug has enjoyed a highly successful career managing relationships of all levels of business and civic organizations, providing strategic and tactical guidance to Fortune 1000 CEOs, presidents, general managers, and senior vice presidents to individual contributors 
that have served in a variety of management functions in sales, finance, legal, marketing, public relations, research and development, industry markets, support, operations, com- corporate communications, local government, partnerships, education, services, events, and nonprofits. You think he knows a few people, folks? And uh, at his last role at CA Technologies, we ate in the same cafeteria. That's right. <laughs> uh, uh, as senior director of digital marketing, Doug had managed teams and personnel in the United States, Europe, Europe, Asia Pacific, and India for 18 years as a high-profile manager in the company. Doug has a unique ability to inspire colleagues and customers. As a popular mentor, he listens intently to learn of their objectives and goals, ra- gathers specific requirements, and delivers quality solutions or career paths for them to better drive their message, skill set, and personal brand. Doug's a dynamic speaker for career development. I still remember that speech you gave for the, uh, uh, what was it, the... Uh, oh, for the uh, Long Island Project Management Project Institute. Ma- the yes. PMP people. Yeah, thanks. Uh, which got, you know, people were raving yeah, about, about it. Uh, for career development, charitable causes, and digital marketing topics, presenting to organizations and programs such as Radio Jobline. Long Island Business News Network, Long Island Chapter of the IABC, International Association for Business Communicators, WPIX Channel 11, Morning News, Hofstra University, the Fair Media Council, and the Long Island Project Management Institute Chapter. Doug serves on the Executive Alliance Senior Leadership Team and Thought Leadership Councils and is a member of the National Association of Resume Writers and Career Coaches. He's also a certified resume, a certified professional resume writer and the owner-operator of Resume Stream Media of Riverhead, New York, where he has helped guide hundreds of professionals' careers for colleagues and candidates around the world. Um, Doug, welcome to Radio Job. Thank you for having me, Scott. Doug, this is our final show of the year. Yes. And I'm committed to having fun on this show. Oh, giddy up. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I couldn't think of anybody better to have on than you. Thank you. Uh, th- we work hard on this radio show and we cover a lot of difficult topics. Yes. We cover, this year we, we've had, I think, at least five shows on the economy. Right. And I have been ranting and raving about the interest rate hikes. Yes. Wondering about the actual value of them compared to the reduction in inflation that might have happened as a result of the improvement of the supply chain. Yes. So there's been a debate going on in my head as to whether, and you are you're a supporter of, of Jerome Powell and, yes. and thought he did a great job. And uh, apparently something good has happened. So give us the, the latest. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, looking at the forecast, Scott, you know, and, and there's been so many different insights and, and perspectives from a variety of economists and, and people on the street and such that uh, it looks like forecasts where you'll start to see more active cuts in Q2 of 2024. Labor market is still tight, but you know picking up the supply chain, to your point, uh, is improving quite a bit. It looks like it's a pre-pandemic levels across the country. Uh, it looks like the, you know among the G7, this, the U.S. seems to be in better shape than uh, its G7 partners because of our infrastructure, because of our ability to uh, innovate uh, because of our workforce, because of our, uh, you know, our economic situation here. So at the macro level, right? So uh, so it looks like, you know, those things will start to break. Where hiring will pick up, well, there'll be more opportunities. I did see a Gartner report not long ago that IT spend will be picking up 8% because of the advent of AI, uh, cybersecurity needs, uh, infrastructure needs, uh, because a lot of companies have been kind of sitting on their existing infrastructure for the last few years. Mm-hmm. So it seems like, you know, the, the the clouds are parting a little bit. There's a little bit of sunlight up ahead. And hopefully, you know, barring any uh, any other, uh, you know, significant issues around around the globe, 
pandemics, locusts, fires, floods, famines, you know, those kind of things. Mm -hmm. uh, it looks like, you know, things uh, are looking uh, quite robust for, you know, certainly Q1 and then into Q2, Q3 of uh, 2024. So if this is the Cinderella ending everybody was looking for, it's certainly right now. Stop the race. It appears that that's what's going to happen. So if, you, if you're if you a betting man, you're betting that things are going to improve, not get into a recession and then improve. Yes. Right. Yeah. So so that that's the that's the big fear that I've been having. By the way, they've been talking about this recession for 24 months. Yes. You know, we're going to have it in two quarters. Yes. We're going to have it in four quarters. Yes. We're going to have it in six quarters. Yes. We're going to have it somewhere down the road. Yes. And it just hasn't come. And I think the saving grace was the job market of yes. all the things? Yes, the, the they couldn't kill it. I did a, a story on on uh, on through our uh, executive alliance leadership program. Yes, called they still can't kill the beast. Right, you know that no matter what they did with the interest rates, the the jobs kept coming, and yes. even now they surprised Wall Street with a very big jobs report, yes. the most recent one. So uh, it's all looking good. You know, we're not here to talk about finance. Yep. Neither one of us are finance yep. guys, yep. but but. Um, I, I just think it's great. It's great that we're going to end the year on such a positive note. By the way, when I say end the year, folks, the show is going to continue. Uh, we're going to be running the best of Radio Jobline over the next few weeks while I take a vacation. Uh, I'll be back in early January, and we're going to get a fresh show started for you again. But if you're a Jobline listener, you're going to want to pay attention over the next three weeks. We're going to put on some of the best shows we had all year again in case you miss them. So the show does not stop, but I just want you to know that I am, we're taking our break uh, after today's show. So, uh, Doug, we're, we're going to talk about a couple of things today. One of them is the debate that's going on with the open to work sign that you can put on your LinkedIn page. Now, I didn't even, I have to tell you, I didn't even know there was a debate going on about this, but, but you, you informed me that there is. And and give me the two sides of that story. Well, the two sides uh, for, and this is for candidates that are pursuing new opportunities in the market. Uh, the pro uh, part of that discussion is, you know, uh, are they, you know, elevating their, their visibility into the market for uh, looking for new employment? Uh, are they, you know, passively looking but still open to work? Are they uh, actively looking? So, you know, there's varieties of degrees where, you know, you'll see those candidates looking uh, for new opportunities. The con there would be uh, people say it appears to be desperate. Uh, you hear some career coaches and people, you know, certain people in the markets that say, you know, you should not enable the green banner, the open to work banner on LinkedIn. Um, but I, as a recruiter, you know, I would certainly never discourage somebody, uh, regardless of what their means are going to be uh, from seeking new employment, number one. And number two, uh, there is an open to work setting you know, within your profile where you can clarify what you're open to work for. So if there's uh, five or six job titles, there are five or six geographies that you're within that you're willing to either work a hybrid or, or work remotely and check into a, a headquarters or a mothership, you know, once a month or once a quarter or whatever it is. So uh, so I'm in the proponent that uh, that the open to work is a good thing. I think it's a good uh, sign, um, you know, and, and also from a hiring perspective of within companies or recruiters and such uh it does uh diminish a bit of counter offer scenarios where you can might have a problem with you know somebody uh taking other offers or things of that nature so if somebody has a quicker path to uh gaining employment in that respect you know i think the open work uh is something that we see you know in our in our market all right uh, you know, so, so so two issues come come to mind right yes. away the first one is is it safe in other words is it possible that a spy from another company or someone that knows your your president or your boss 
says, you know, I just was looking at Doug's profile and it says open to work. So you better be on, on the lookout. He may be, he may be leaving, right. you know? So I, I worry about that. And I think other people worry about that yes. too. And then the other point that comes to my mind is as a recruiter, I, I, I sometimes have too many candidates to reach out to right. once I make my little formula <clears throat> of, of parameters. And let's say I have a thousand candidates, too many. Right. You know, so I, I'll reach out to th- as many as three or 400. But sometimes when you click the open to work uh, uh, button, you will, it, it brings it right down to three or 400. And right. then you're thinking maybe now I've got more targeted focused candidates that are actually looking for a job. So from a recruiter standpoint, it's a good thing. Right. But from a security standpoint, it's 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 got a little bit of risk. Well, within a domain, I mean, there's a couple of ways of looking at it. Within a, a particular company domain, uh, unless they have a recruiter license, they're not going to see that particular open work setting. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's one. Uh, the other aspect is is, you know, in terms of, you know where where they're going to be looking. Is it a network thing? Most people that are enabling the open to work are going to be actively open to work in you know either they got laid off from their previous company or things of that nature. So it seems that that's the case study of how most people use open to work, mm-hmm. um, and, and that it shouldn't seem desperate. People need to be gainfully employed. They need to contribute. They need to you know raise money for their family and, and uh, make a living for their family. So mm-hmm. so I, I do th- I am a proponent of that particular practice. Uh, you know, but I, if it's within the domain of that particular company. Uh, those people are not going to see it just it blocks it out within LinkedIn. So, you know, that's one, one aspect. Just in case you're one of these folks out there that does not have that sign on with that button pushed. Um, I'm going to come after you anyway. If I, if I think you, you have the right stuff, even if you're not open to work, I'm still going to approach you. Rightfully so. And, and uh, so it doesn't change that much, you know, from a recruiter standpoint, uh, but it's better to have a, a more focused pool that does seem to be open to work rather than just go after people, many of whom are, are not, don't say they're open to work. But I think, Doug, isn't everybody open to work? I'm, I mean, when when you're on LinkedIn and you've done a great job filling out your profile and the profile looks good, the Thank picture you. looks good, Thanks. everything looks good. Aren't you kind of asking for people to, to, to see if you are open to work? Well, it's, it's part it's open to work, but it's also, I mean, in our perspective, Scott, as recruiters and people that advocate careers and, and work with our clients to get them the best talent possible for those particular organizations, uh, we want to show the best presence. We want to show that we're market masters in our domain, that we've worked at, you know, from uh, C-suite level to contributor level employees. Uh, on how what uh, compensation practices look like and levels look like, uh, what do talent pools look like? You know, from North Dakota to North Tallahassee. You know, so you know, so we understand the geographies, we understand the segments, we understand the hot industries versus some that might not be as hot. Mm. So, uh, so we can provide that counsel back to companies and back to hiring managers, saying, okay, if you're looking for X, Y, Z type of talent in these types of geographies, these are the compensation frameworks, these are the expectations. Is everybody going to be remote or, you know, things of that nature? So we try and provide that strategic counsel. So that's where those profiles, uh, if they're deep, if they're content rich, uh, can uh, really be attractive in the market on a number of different fronts. So yeah. I think that people, when people do a really good job on their profile, I, w- I would not hesitate to approach them. Sure. You know, but when people are scant, yes, <laughs> you know, just a couple of sentences, yes. um, really not much, no postings, right. you know, this, this candidate hasn't posted recently, right. right? I mean, when I see things like that, I'm going, he's not very active on LinkedIn. Right. But when I see an active person, 
I think I'm more likely to get a, a response. Yeah, no, that's fair. And, and you see certain uh, functions. A lot of engineering people might not do it as much, you mm -hmm. know, or be as active on LinkedIn. Maybe they didn't need LinkedIn. They got referred by somebody, by somebody, by somebody, you know, right. and didn't need a resume for 20 years or 25 years. Those scenarios do happen. Um, but the, I think a lot of those cases, when I speak to people in the market, uh, they don't know those functions. They don't understand the power of LinkedIn. And they don't understand if the depth of content and appropriate keywords for their searches or for their career direction uh, are populated. Those are things that we're going to be looking for. So I always advocate saying, you know, you should have a deep profile. You should have relevant content. It should be targeted for what your paths are. And most people don't think of it. And, you know, they, they really go, oh, wow, I didn't realize that there was an open to work setting where you can add job titles, where you can add geographies, mm -hmm. where you can add hybrid or remote or on-site work. So a lot of it, they don't know what they don't know. They made a, they made a profile 10 years ago and kind of left it alone. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I see that kind of behavior in the market, but uh, the more populated to your point, I think uh, it's going to make be people more engaging and visible. Okay, you're listening to a very special radio job line with Doug Wald, a fabulous guest and one of the greatest You're guys. pretty fabulous too. One of the you're the OG, man. You're the original gangster <laughs> of job work on, on broadcast. You've been doing it forever and you're the best of the business, well, baby. Thank you, Thank you, thank you for that. I'll there give you, you the five bucks that I owe you, too. <laughs> um, so, uh, anyway, we're going to have some eggnog. We didn't do that. I was going to play some of my guitar music, you know, which, and then I thought my wife said, no, no, better not do that. Uh, and then I was going to ask Doug to do some Bruno Mars for me. Oh, no. Live on the air, and we didn't do that either. I don't want to scare your audience. But, it, but if you have a radio job line idea, would like to be on the show, you can write to me, scottp118 at gmail.com scottp118 at gmail.com and you should connect with me on LinkedIn because every broadcast we do here on 103.9 FM LI News Radio is then reposted on my LinkedIn page so if you can't make the time of the show connect with me and you'll end up be delivered to your inbox got a news break coming up stay with us may the four winds blow you safely And now, welcome back to Radio Jobline with your host, Scott Possessor, right here on LI News Radio. Welcome back, everybody. You must be, <laughs> Doug is making uh, some hand signs there. Um, you must be listening to Radio Job Line. That's the music. Uh, that is my favorite song you're listening to. Uh, it's, it's been my theme song for six, seven years now, uh, and I'm happy to have it. I never get tired of it. I can hear it, and even when it comes on the radio, I still blast it. Franklin's Tower, baby. Franklin, my song, Grateful my, Dead, dude. My, my song. So it's the best. Uh, and and it's it's great that I attract deadheads as well yeah, you on, do. on the radio show. So, hey, now. So that's that's awesome. And, I, go, uh, I go all day. And Dougie, tell us <laughs> tell us how we met. We have a You have a good story about that. I love telling this story. It's so much fun. Uh, Scott was uh, kind enough through his producer at the time uh, I was uh, to invite me to on Radio Jobline about six years ago, seven years but ago. We didn't now. know each other. We didn't know each other. We right. knew of each other. I knew of you uh, certainly from your broadcast days at News 12 Long Island and mm -hmm. the work that you've done throughout your career uh, and invited me to be the resume guy on a previous Radio Jobline. Mm -hmm. And we uh, got on the show. We, we came in and met and greeted each other and sat at the studio and we put our headphones on and Got, got ready to kick off the show. And that very music you just heard, mm -hmm. those little guitar riffs of Franklin's Tower 
from the Grateful Dead. Now, I'm a Grateful Dead fan. I've been one forever. Mm-hmm. My I perked up. My ears perked up and my body perked up. Mm-hmm. And I looked at Scott in silence because we're on the air hand gesturing. I'm like, you like the Grateful Dead? Mm-hmm. And he's like, I like the Grateful Dead. Do you like the Grateful Dead? Mm-hmm. And we're having this hand gesture back and forth about our affinity for the Grateful Dead. So after the show, I uh, thank Scott for you know graciously having me on the show. And he said, hey, come back in maybe six months or so. I said, great. So they did uh, kindly bring me back to Radio Jobline uh, about six months later. And I brought Scott a copy of, and it's, and it's a big thing in Grateful Dead lore, mm-hmm. Jerry Garcia performing on Broadway. He did 15 nights on Broadway in 1995, I think it was. No, no, it was before that. It was like 92 or something. He was gone in 95. Uh, right, right. So it was earlier than that. So he did 15 mm-hmm. nights at the Luntfontein Theater on Broadway. And the final night was Halloween night. Mm. So I happened to have a copy of the concert, uh, a soundboard quality copy that was produced later. And I came back to greet Scott. And I said, it's Scott. Thanks for having me back on the show. Really nice to see you again. Oh, by the way, I remember you being a Grateful Dead fan. You know, here's a copy of Jerry Garcia from Broadway from Halloween night, which is, you know, in Grateful Dead land, it's a big deal. Mm -hmm. So, So I immediately went from Doug the resume guy from Riverhead. So this guy's pretty cool, <laughs> which translated on the air. So right. so Scott was like, "Hey, let's meet our good friend Doug." So we just struck up a great friendship, and uh, we're, we've been at it ever since. So, and now we work together. We work together. Yes, yeah, Scott brought me into Executive Alliance to recruit, and I've had a wonderful run there, and I enjoy everybody there. And we have a great, great shop, and. So many excellent people that work there, and, uh, and I, can't, I can't begin to thank you enough. And year after year, Doug is our in our top three recruiters every year now, and and uh, he's just amazing. You thank wouldn't you. believe how good he is at his craft. Thank you. So, no, I appreciate that. And it just goes time. to show you can change. Yeah. People can change. Yeah. Doug was doing something completely different at CA. Yes, yes. You know, not even recruiting. Yep. You know, yep. so, okay, so so let's talk about resumes. Yes, sir. And, and before we get too deep mm-hmm. into the resumes, I'm going to do my final rant of the year, Okay. Folks, you have to put an address on the resume. I know you don't want to put a street address. That's fine. I'm okay with that. But you have to put a city. I have to know where you live. Why? Because just about, unless it's a remote job, and you can't assume a job is remote if it doesn't say it's remote. So if I'm not advertising for a remote job, I'm advertising for an engineering manager. You have to be there. So if you put no address on the resume, you could be in Minnesota, you could be in California, you could be in Florida, you could be in New England, or you could be on Long Island. I don't know. How the hell do I know? So I just, it just boggles my mind that so many candidates continue to send resumes without a city or state or give me a zip, something. Now I know, I know what you're going to say. I know what you're going to say. They don't want to give you their, their location. And then I my comeback to that is, are you kidding me? You're going to give me your name and I can't find out where you live? I mean, it's so easy with the internet, and especially if you're willing to pay a buck seventy-five, you can find out if that person ever went to prison before. Right. You know, so so there's, there's so much information on the internet. It isn't funny. Yes. So I don't think that argument holds water. But I'm going to let you talk me down. And, and, and let, explain to me why people continue to do this. Well, I suspect the thought process is people are worried about security, right? 
that's probably the general thought process. And you're absolutely right, Scott. I mean, there should it be at the very least a city and state, not only because even if it's a remote job, a lot of the shifts we're seeing in the market now for remote work seem to be centered on a headquarters or a city or at least accessible in a certain time zone. Mm-hmm. So it could be, you know, if it's a New York job, but they'll have a candidate that uh, wants to, you know, that lives on the East Coast or wherever their customer support might be or whether if they're customer facing, whatever it is. Right. So uh, so I suspect the, 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 the premonition of people saying, OK, I don't want to put any security information. You're going to provide that security information name right and serial number basically to the prospective employer if you get hired so if they and they'll ask for applications if you get deep into a consideration phase or or a potential offer so the company will say okay if you've done two interviews you've done three interviews okay you're deep and you're a serious candidate for that opportunity so they're going to ask you for your address they're going to ask you for you know some of your you know personal information uh, for for their file, so uh, you know, and and you know, obviously, if you get uh, on hired and onboarded into the company, they're you're going to provide more information even after that. So so uh, it it, does, it it when it diminishes your visibility, when it diminishes your accessibility to the market, uh, I don't advise for it. Uh, you're you know, Scott, you're a thousand percent right about why people. I mean, ju- and, and it just has to be a city and state. It does. You don't you don't even have to provide your address or right. or zip code. Just you know, just you're showing you're geographically accessible to that. Opportunity opportunity right, period okay. of the story so let's say you're from california and the job is in new york so you don't want to put your address because you know you're going to be excluded yes right so in a case like that there's an answer for that you can just put where the address would be right. you could say willing to relocate to the island you know on my own dime if Correct. necessary so so there are lots of ways around it yes. but almost no viable excuse not to give your location. Yes, and and the other thing to that point, Scott, is that on your open to work setting on LinkedIn, you can add remote jobs for targeted geographies. And if you're you know if you're willing to relocate or come or work within that geography, right. or if you know customers in that area, or if you could provide value to that company, whether it's a headquarters or their customer sets, you know certainly list that. You know the more transparency you put on your resume and on your LinkedIn, the better. You know the less guesswork hiring managers have to do, the less guesswork recruiters have to do. We're under a fire hose every day, all day of applicants and applications and resumes and LinkedIn profiles and people coming through the side door. And I'm a great fit for that job. You know, so so we see a lot, a lot, a lot of influx of information. So the the, the more clear, the more transparent you are, you're going to have a better opportunity of engaging with that recruiter or that hiring manager. Okay, we all know what resumes used to look like. They were very plain. But nowadays, there's all this capability and templates, you know, and colors and all this great stuff. But should people be concerned about their resume being scanned if the one column has their all their address information, education, and, and then the other column has their job information, and then there's really no header, it, it looks completely different. Should people use a traditional format to make sure that the scanning process is easy? I, I agree with the traditional format, Scott. I, I work in marketing, and I see a lot of, I work with creative talent quite a bit, and I see designers uh, usability designers, creative operations people, graphic artists, you know, send their resumes and such. And they make it super pretty with multiple bar graphs and columns and, and, and it, it's not a natural read. Mm. You can't discern who this person is, what do they do, 
Uh, what are the core skills that are going to be most important to that opportunity? How does it match with what the job requirement is? Mm-hmm. Uh, so you're not going to see that. So you know, so be. I, I'm a big fan of the traditional resume being succinct, making it accessible, making it clear, not uh, teeny tiny fonts. You know, uh, on the resume, you know, ten uh, ten point font is fine, uh, but making it a natural read. You know, starting with your name and location and your LinkedIn uh, uh, LinkedIn. Uh, you know, your phone number, your primary phone number, uh, where you're easily accessible. You brought up the fonts, and I just want to say that as I've gotten older, yes. okay, even though I have a nice big screen, I must have a 400-inch screen on yeah. my desk, <laughs> I cannot read them. Right. If they're too small, they try to pack. I've seen 450, 550-word resumes on one page, right. Doug, right. And, and it's just crazy. It's insane. Right. What's wrong with more than one page? Well, I, I don't think, and, and there's another you know perspective in the market where, and, and a lot of colleges and universities advocate this, where uh, they advocate the one-page resume because they, they want to keep things brief and succinct, and I understand that perspective, but uh, there's no reason why you can't expand it to a page and a half or two. I've not heard one person in our shop at Executive Alliance scream, oh my goodness, a college graduate with a two-page resume. Mm-hmm. You know, if you have functional experience or uh, courseware or things, and this is specific for college students and graduates, if you have specific courseware that's relevant to that role or the path that you want to take, if you have projects, if you academic projects, technical projects, if you've done, uh, you know, volunteer work, if you've worked in associations and standards bodies, you know, things of that nature that will certainly not just say what you've done and why you're relevant to that role. It tells us who you are. I like knowing who you are. So uh, the fallacy of a one page resume, uh, I think, is too much. And I think it does a disservice uh, to, to prospective employees. Yeah. I mean, the know? only person that should have a one page resume is someone that doesn't have a lot to say. Correct. If you have a lot to say, go on two pages. Exactly. You know, there's no such rule, by the way. Yep. You know, any any of these rules are not rules. Yes. They're, they're they're unwritten rules. That's exactly right. Um, but uh, anyway, if you, uh, you should have a lot to say. You should be getting internships in high school. You should be getting internships in college. You should have lots to say, not working at a McDonald's counter. Yes. You know, that doesn't need to be on your resume. You probably do without it altogether. Yeah. Uh, so uh, nothing against McDonald's. But but the bottom line is you need internships. You need experience. You need relevancy to the job at hand. And however long it takes you to do that with a reasonable size font, that's how long your resume should be. That's exactly right. And again, the depth of content, the depth of keywords is going to be important. What's the relevant path that you're seeing on that job description and, and to your point, Scott, around uh, adjusting your resume and tweaking it to make sure that it aligns with the, the mission of the company, make sure it aligns with the job requirements, uh, the better you tell that prospective company about the things that you've done, the skills, the achievements that you've had, uh, that's going to be a better engagement for the hiring manager and, and give you a better opportunity to, to lock in with them and be able to connect with them. Doug, how do you feel about these resumes that come to us from, say, Indeed or and no, not n- nothing against Indeed yes. or any of the other platforms, but they do change the resume. The yes. resume doesn't look the same. Correct. And it has that little, uh, at the end, it has that list of skills, yes. which is fine. Yes. But the resume itself, it kind of... I don't know, craps up the, the what you tr- what you tried to w- do. Yes. You know, the look you tried to give it. Yes. Now they all have one unique, one succinct look yes. that it's an Indeed resume. Yes. Uh, and it, it the formatting that you put in there is gone. Um, and it just it just doesn't look right. And, th- and then whether or not you've used a summary or an objective or nothing at all right. and just jumped into it. Right. How do you feel about that opening, that 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 all-important real estate at the top? Well, it comes down to content, ultimately, Scott. I mean, it sounds like it's a document extract 
that indeed they'll ask you to fill out your profile information fill out the appropriate things maybe upload a resume uh, and then it does their own output of that document or of that resume so uh, so if you're deep on content again you know if you're if you're providing that depth of content of your skills your proficiencies your technical proficiencies the type of work that you've done how your key accomplishments things of that nature uh, as long as you have the content there it should transfer in the document it should transfer transfer in the indeed version of that format of document so uh so yeah so just be mindful of your content it's you know it's the same practice it's making sure that you know you're providing deep rich enough content to speak to your background and your experience when i talk to some candidates and whine about their resumes sometimes sometimes they're like well what are you talking about my resume doesn't have, didn't have that it had this it had that and i actually send it back to them and they go, oh my God, right. this isn't what I put up there. They didn't use my resume. They, they made their own resume right. from my own from my data. Right. So I think somewhere the platforms have to straighten this out, Doug. Yes. If a person wants to send a resume exactly the way it appears, they should have that right. That's exactly right. And, and LinkedIn does a better job of, of making sure that that resume is intact. Your mm -hmm. resume is what you're served as, as an attachment to the application that goes to that particular job. Uh, so, uh, so yeah, I suspect that they may have to look at uh, what's the usability of it. Uh, are they not, or they, should they better, you know, similarly attach that proper resume, the original resume that you wrote uh, to that application, so it's it's, it's more fluid. And we have a, a boss, uh, Gary Zalamski, who we both adore. Yep. It was probably the best staffing guy and uh, manager in the business. Gary's I, the man. I, I say that every year at his toast. Yep. And. And the bottom line is Gary's been reading a lot of webinars. Yes. And he, he's very educated about yes. what's what's hot and what's real in the market, in yep. the job hunting market. Yep. And he keeps telling us, short, people are using mobile viewing. Yes. Big numbers, 60, 65% of people are looking at things like a resume on a, on a phone. Yes. So should a resume be briefer for that reason? Should it be shorter? Should your cover letter be, you know, like one sentence or two sentences because because people's attention span or whatever. But how do you feel about this whole mobile viewing thing? Well, there could be two different uh, versions of it. There could be a light version for mobile. Uh, I'm, I'm sure that like on LinkedIn, for example, it's easier to link, read a LinkedIn profile. than I mean, uh, documents are a little bit different in a mobile view. So, you know, back to the LinkedIn uh, conversation we had earlier, you know, adding depth on, on and, and a lot of those sites are mobily enabled. So, so if you go to a LinkedIn page and you pull up a, a profile, then the resume will give you full construct. Uh, the documents themselves might be a little tricky on a mobile device. So, um, so yeah, I, I suspect that you, you could keep your master resume or your you know your regular resume for uh, emailing contacts or your network connections or, or uploading for applications. But uh, it might be a good practice to have you know a, a, you know kind of a summary you know a top level. Uh, with maybe a few of things that are showing your experience and not getting deep into the weeds around your experience, having 18 bullets under a job that you held or things of that nature. You know, so being succinct is probably a better practice there. So uh, it might be good to have a 1A, which is your, you know, your master resume uh, mm -hmm. document that's your living, breathing document that you update over time. And then your, uh, you know, maybe a, a simple brief uh, version of your resume that kind of snaps it up and, and you know pro provides that just overview summary of your skills and your experience in your tenures and the type of titles that you've held. Uh, so people are starting to fool around now with the AI. Yes. With with resumes and also covers. Yes. <clears throat> and AI is a, is a good writer. They yes. write at the college level, but it's not always punchy 
and I don't I don't always approve of it. Um, but what about for resumes, Doug? Is is it something that's going to happen even more in the future, where people will use AI to do their resume? I believe so. I mean, there will be more AI tools and and platforms that will be you know f- uh, for resumes. Uh, I suspect that they their uh, algorithms and the machine language learning tools that they have as part of that AI will aggregate more and more. So if it's a network engineer and they're they're writing you know so many different net- network engineer roles that might be fluent in Cisco or might be fluent in a certain platform that they'll, they'll aggregate that and be able to uh, optimize and provide better versions of that. But it's really incumbent upon the person to review the, the uh, accuracy of it, make sure it's, it's still targeted to that role, making sure that it's perfectly represented to the candidate and, and the person uh, you know seeking jobs. Uh, so it will advance. It will take some time, and it will become more specialized. So, but it's really regardless of what the AI piece is writing. It could be an article. Hey, look at Rolling Stone. Oh no, uh, Sports Illustrated. Mm-hmm. Right, we're relying on AI articles and slapping them out there, and then they got kind of caught. So, so you know, human intervention is still going to be part of the AI engagement. Mm-hmm. So it's important and incumbent upon the person that's you know using AI to make sure that there's it's accurate, it's targeted, it's representative. Because you have to speak to this in an interview. You have to speak to these functions. So uh, AI might spit out a certain you know output, which is great. And you know, for general function, it's probably a good reason. But I suspect as time goes on, you know, it will become more refined, it will become more optimized yeah, it's, and become it's better. So. Still a little wordy. Yeah, still no, a little wordy. Yeah, sure. All right, let's do a lightning round. Okay. Uh, we've done do's. Yeah. How about some don'ts? How do you feel about pictures? Uh, pictures I'm not a big fan of. Uh, pictures uh, take up too much real estate. You know, again, uh, content is king. Content needs to be targeted. It needs to be specific. So uh, you, you're certainly uh, enabled to be able to uh, add a picture to a, a LinkedIn profile. Uh, they say that, you know, adding a picture to a LinkedIn profile provides a 30% engagement view or bump, uh, which is great. But for uh, for resumes, uh, you know, we, we need to see exactly, you know, what, what your skills are, what your experiences are. I'm not the biggest fan of uh, pictures on a resume. Okay, and also resumes, somehow people that come from foreign countries often it's use... A, it's a more often or, practice. Yeah, yeah and therefore, you associate that resume with perhaps someone who doesn't have a visa. That's exactly so, right. So, okay. So, um, how about four or five page resumes? Uh, if you're in an academic setting or a scientific setting, and if you've got a lot of publications, patents, articles, things of that nature, that's perfectly fine. But, you know, even if you're a senior, uh, senior executive... Uh, three pages, four pages max. Uh, you know things because there are people that have tons of uh, publications, tons of uh, uh, contributions to academic research, things of that nature. Where you know they could be you know uh, ten pages or more. Um, but no, the, the less is more. Be targeted, be succinct. So you know, three pages is max. Maybe pushing it to four, but that's that's about the limit. I, I yeah. I mean, I see resumes sometimes that are six or seven, and and one thought I get from that is they're not paying attention. Correct. They're, they're just going and going and going yeah, and going. That's exactly right. Uh, all right, and then uh, use multi-column approaches. You got thirty seconds. I'm not a fan of it. Uh, it distracts the that uh, left column and right column compete with each other. It's not a natural read. It's not a natural flow of a, a, a traditional resume where you have your target title and your summary hmm. and your core skills and your performance or ROI highlights, and then you get into your experience. So when you're competing you know, left column, right column, you're fishing around for key information that's important to the recruiter or to the hiring manager of what does this person bring to the table? How does this match 
you know, the opportunity and the key requirements that we're looking for. So I'm not a big fan of the two-column approach. Okay, fabulous. We're running out of time. Douglas, thank you so much for being Thanks here. Thanks for having me, Scott. And always a pleasure. Always a great, and it went so fast today. Yeah, it sure uh, did. I want to take this moment, to, folks, to wish everybody the happiest of holidays, Kwanzaa, Christmas, Hanukkah, whatever you celebrate, New Year's Eve, New Year's Day. Uh, be safe, be happy, um, and, and be healthy. Let's, let's all keep our health and, right. and let's have peace. Yep. Let's have peace. Peace always. All right. You, uh, you've been listening to Radio Jobline for the last time this year, but you're going to get best of Jobline over the next few weeks. We'll be back after that break. Um, everyone, happy hunting. May the four winds blow you safely The views and opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of this station, JVC Broadcasting Management, or its sponsors.